Welcome to the official Barclays Premier League podcast, brought to you by Barclays. In another twist to this amazing Barclays Premier League season, Liverpool moved to the top of the table. Well, the dream is for our supporters. They want to obviously win the title. It's been a long time here. My thinking is to perform well, and, and then we'll see what it takes us. Are Chelsea now out of the race? I think uh, now I feel impossible to win the title. We depend too much on other results. And it wasn't the Champions League final, but could the latest of late goals help save Solskjaer's season? Finally, they realise we've got nothing more to lose here. You know the last goal there, I think the fans sucked the ball in. After a stunning weekend of action, we speak to a man who's won the league with Liverpool five times to find out if the Reds can handle the pressure of a title run-in. Chelsea legend Marcel Desailly joins us to discuss a shock defeat at Crystal Palace. Former Manchester United star Nicky Butt discusses the importance of bringing youngsters through at Old Trafford. Plus, we hear from Arsene Wenger, Ricky Lambert and Peter Odenwingi. Hello and welcome to the official Barclays Premier League podcast. I'm Jackie Oatley. Joining me to discuss an incredible weekend, another one, is the former Arsenal and West Ham midfielder Stuart Robson. Hi, Stuart. Hello. There were a few upsets at the top of the table, some pretty stunning results at the bottom. Did you just get the impression that there are another few twists and turns before the end of this season? Well, there was a lot of nerves at the weekend. There's going to be a lot of nerves coming up to the end of the season, so I think we're going to see a lot more twists and turns come the, these last few weeks of the season. It's been a great season so far. It has. Plenty more to come. And all season on this show, we've been keeping an eye out for the standout moments of sportsmanship in the games. Part of our hashtag YouAreFootball campaign. Anything stood out for you this week? Well, it was a great game, wasn't it? A West Bromwich Albion versus Cardiff. But I thought it was great sportsmanship between the two managers at the end of the game. Mel must have been so disappointed that his team had just conceded that last goal. He's not very happy with the amount of time that's being played, but he still had time to have the high five with Solskjaer. I thought it was a good moment in the game. Great sportsmanship. Well, let's kick off with the new leaders of the Barclays Premier League. With just six games to go, Liverpool have moved to top spot after a more than convincing 4-0 win over Tottenham at Anfield. That result moves them two points clear of Chelsea, who lost at Crystal Palace, and four points clear of Manchester City. City do have two games in hand, but as they still have to visit Anfield, it means the destiny of the title is in Liverpool's hands. And didn't they do that in style? Well, right from the kickoff, you knew Liverpool had a desire, a hunger to win the game. They, they won the ball back, they counter-attacked, quickly. Some of their play was exhilarating. It, it was Liverpool at their very best and it's great to see them back at the top of the table. Manager Brendan Rodgers says that win has given the fans hope for their first title for 24 years. Well, the dream is for our supporters. They want to obviously win the title, but for us it's not my thinking. My thinking is to prepare the team, perform well, and if we do that, we know that we can continue to win games and, and then we'll see what it takes us. I thought today was as good as atmosphere there's been. The intensity here, the support. We've got an army of supporters throughout the world. We've got 533 million supporters throughout the world for Liverpool. It's a monumental size of a club. And when we have that army behind us like we have now in this run-in, then it, it's, it's a real force for us. So uh, the, the atmosphere in the ground today was, was electric. You know, we started the game very bright. And obviously the supporters recognise how hard we're working. So hopefully that combination, we both correlate with each other team and supporters and hopefully it takes us a long way. Well that was Brendan Rodgers but will he win Liverpool their first title since 1990? 
Well, let's ask a man who won the league five times for the Reds, their former defender, Mark Lawrenson. Hi, Mark. Hi, Jackie. Well, Mark, you were there at Anfield at the weekend. I'm sure it's richly entertaining for you. Yeah. Fantastic performance, but perhaps even more encouraging that people expected it and they delivered. Well, yeah, I certainly uh, expected it and delivered. And I have to say, though, in all honesty, um, Tottenham were that poor that Liverpool didn't have to play that well. They started really well, Liverpool. I think once it got to two goals up, it was quite evident that uh, Tottenham had really nothing to offer at all. And in the end, probably Liverpool could cruise through probably 60-70% of the game but as everybody knows now they, they possess such a goal threat from so many different players and positions that it's been really difficult for teams to play against them. How impressed have you been with Brendan Rodgers and his tactical mouse this season? I've been very, very impressed. And I think, as you know, if you, if you looked as well at Sunday, if you looked at the facts in that the, the previous Wednesday, they played against Sunderland, got to 2-0 up, and then Sunderland changed their team around, had a go at Liverpool, got it back to 2-1, could have maybe snatched a 2-2. And on the Sunday, Brendan actually played an extra attacking player. He didn't go, well, hold on a minute, you know, we need to kind of shore ourselves up defensively or just in front. He played an extra attacking player, played all the attacking players that he's got. So I think he's just of the opinion is just going to literally try and win every single game. I don't think they will win every single game and I'm sure there'll be twists and turns but they're going to have a real good go at it. How has Rodgers got the best out of Coutinho and Henderson this season? Because they, they've certainly had good games, haven't they? And certainly playing well at the moment. Sure. The improvement of Henderson is, is absolutely unbelievable and lots of people tell you and, and even the one-eyed Liverpool fan will tell you that there was a lot to improve. I think just the fact that he's now got a little bit of confidence and I think also because Gerrard's played so much deeper as well he just lets Henderson just run and, and to be fair, boy, can can he run? I mean, I mean, if his gait's that bad, according to Sir Alex Ferguson, wait until he improves it. He, he's been he's been great, and with the confidence, he's got a few goals. He plays his football simply, and he's just slowly built his confidence up throughout the season. He was always an, an easy passer; just get it and give it. And now, all of a sudden, he's got his head up. He started picking people out. He still makes great runs. And the other fella, Coutinho, he's just uh, he's got great feet, but he sees everything. And at times, it's as though he doesn't even look, but he just knows. And and you'll have played with players like that before, as I have, and it's just something that they're born with. When you've got such pace as well and, and goal-scoring ability, it must be great to play in that team at the moment. Well, it must be great, and you played in some great teams at Anfield back in the day, not that long ago, just a few years ago. Many but... years, you've been kind, Jackie, many, many years <laughs> All ago. Right, a couple of years Black ago. Black and white then. we played in. <laughs> What's Anfield like now? Do you think they're starting to recapture some of its aura from those days? Yes, I think so. You'd have to ask probably Stuart. I don't, I don't ever think it was intimidating. It was just a great place to go and play, and you know, and the, this is Anfield sign and, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I think I think the thing is now is they've waited so long as well, you know, to actually have a chance of winning the league under Benitez. They, they had a couple of chances. They had a cer certainly one chance one year, but and I think they've you know the different takeovers, another set of Americans, and that whole kind of thing. And it's as though they've been idling around for for a few years. But I think everybody now realizes what a good side they've got. Got a good young manager, and I think everybody just likes the way they play. I mean. I'd had an argument with this guy the other day and I was saying that Liverpool surely must be everybody else's favourite second team. He said, what are you on about? And I said, well, I said, who plays better football in the league at the moment? And he was saying, no, oh, there's loads of teams. I went, no, I don't think so. Well, going back to your point, when we used to come to, to Anfield, first of all, you knew that Liverpool were going to play particularly well, so you're going to have to defend all over the pitch and sure. Liverpool want to create opportunities. But the one thing that people don't talk about is we never had the ball. Liverpool are starting to get a bit yeah. of that. They're still not quite as good defensively as you were because you were the best side in, in world football at the time. They're not quite got that right, but they're getting there, aren't they? Oh, most definitely. And you know what, Stuart? The, the punters absolutely love it. They can actually forgive you if you don't play particularly well at Anfield, the Liverpool fans, as long as you are stopping the opposition, giving absolutely everything that you've got, which you should do anyway. It's 
a prerequisite for a professional footballer. It doesn't always happen. But they love the fact that, you know, they get into teams and it's like, this is our home. How dare you come and play us here at Anfield and, and we're going to show you what a good side we are. And you can you can sense it. And I think both the team and the supporters really have fed off each other. And, you know, this season, just the atmosphere has just got better and better and better. And I think always one of these things about this is I, I got there at one o'clock on Sunday because I, I needed to see the Everton game at, at Fulham to go and sit in the, in the press lounge. I've never seen so many people at Anfield three hours before the game ever in my life before. It was a bit like Manchester United on a match day. It's like going through a busy town and when you go to Old Trafford. Liverpool is now started to get that. So for, from their point of view, they're obviously also taking more money on match days, which is even better for them. Final question for you, Mark, comes from one of our Twitter followers, Victor Smith from Chichester. He asks, will Liverpool still be able to contest the league title next season when they're involved in the Champions League? Very, very good question. It will all depend on on the budget that Brendan Rodgers gets in the summer in terms of player recruitment, etc. I would have thought so. Suarez is young. Sturridge is young. Depends on the draw for the Champions League, etc. So I would think so, yeah. I would think so. The great thing is once you get in the Champions League, and this is probably this is against Manchester United because they're going to pro- have a problem in, in terms of attracting their players. They ain't in the Champions League, so they're going to have to pay them fortunes. But once you get in the Champions League, you can get and attract the very best players. Yes, City will be in for them. So will Chelsea. So will Arsenal. But, you know, Liverpool do have this history and this pedigree. It may make the difference for one or two players to want to go and play there. Mark Lawrenson, thanks for joining us on the Barclays Premier League podcast. Thank you. Well, Stuart, given how enormous a club Liverpool is and the fact they've never won the Barclays Premier League, is it good for the league if they were to win it this year? Absolutely. It's good that any side, you know, are challenging at the top when there's more than just the usual two or usual three. Great that Liverpool are there in the 70s and 80s. They were the best club side in the world playing wonderful football. They're now the best club side in England and they're playing wonderful football again. They're defending much better than they were earlier in the season, but their attacking play is brilliant. Wonderful to watch. An incredible weekend for Liverpool, but the defeat leaves Spurs eight points off fourth spot. The North Londoners now have lost seven of their last eight matches against the top four sides, with an aggregate score of 27-2, much to the dismay of their manager, Tim Sherwood. Because we don't seem to have a problem with the teams outside the top four. It's just the ones who are in it with a little bit added quality. I know, we need to look at it. Perhaps it's a belief thing, you know, and um, you know, a lot of these teams are, are better than us. And today, Liverpool were better than us today. We're trying to accumulate as many points as we can, but it's about picking the boys up now. It's going to be a long, long old week, you know, playing Monday. So now we've got to, we've got to dust ourselves down and, and, and crack on. Tim Sherwood sounding very down. And after 22 matches, Spurs were on the same points as Liverpool. Now Liverpool 15 points ahead of them. Looking ahead to the rest of the season, Spurs fixtures are Sunderland home, West Brom away, Fulham home, Stoke away, West Ham away and Villa at home. We'll be discussing Chelsea's amazing defeat at Crystal Palace with Marcel Desailly very shortly. But first of all, we'll focus on Stuart's former club, Arsenal, who came from behind to earn a one-all draw with Manchester City at the Emirates. David Silva put City in front before Matteo Flamini scored the equaliser and that was the first goal that Pellegrini's side have conceded in 561 minutes of football. What did you make of the match Stuart? Well I thought Manchester City dominated the early stages, Arsenal were nervous you could see that from the Swansea game, from the, the game that, against Chelsea, they were caught on the counter-attack once again, the two full-backs were high up the field and it looked as though Manchester City were going to go and dominate but suddenly Arsenal played at a higher tempo, they defended better all around the pitch, their midfield players started to dominate the game and I thought in the second half Arsenal were the slightly the better side. I think they fully deserved their draw. Well, the manager, Arsene Wenger, said that his side had to bounce back after conceded that added time equaliser to Swansea in midweek. What's happened to us last uh, week was a nightmare. 
the dressing room was really, really flat on uh, Tuesday night. And I would like to uh, say uh, fantastic to the team because the way we responded today with another fight is absolutely marvelous. That shows that the, the team has a really special mental quality. When you look at the results today again, you know, everything can happen. We are, of course, uh, uh, far maybe from the top, but we have to continue with this spirit. You never know. He says they're far from the top. They're fourth in the table. They're seven points off the leaders, Liverpool. What do you think, realistically, they're going to end up? I think on current form, they're going to end up fourth. I think they'll just have enough to hold off Everton. They're a confident side. And if they can go to Everton and get a good victory, they may even get into third spot. But they play on confidence. Interesting to hear uh, Arsene Wenger say they've shown great mentality to come back and play well against Man City. But where was that mentality in the games against Liverpool? Where was that mentality in the games against Chelsea? That's when they really needed that strong mentality. And they're the games where they lost heavily. And if they finish fourth and win the FA Cup, is that seen as a very successful season for Arsenal? It's a trophy. Arsenal haven't won a trophy for nine years. The FA Cup, I'm sure they're going to go on and win that. I think Arsene Wenger, come Christmas, when they were doing so well, when they were top of the league, felt as though they could win the title. I think most of the fans felt they might just win the title. It's been disappointing in the last couple of months. Well, that draw keeps City in third spot, but with two games in hand. And their manager, Manuel Pellegrini, says the title race is still wide open. Well, I think it's a good point because uh, we play two games away this week against Manchester United against Arsenal I think that for a point for six against the two big teams is, is, is not bad I always said that this will be a very close Premier League with three or four teams fighting till the end for, for the title I think that Arsenal still has they still have chances to to fight for, for the title. We'll see which team uh, do the things better from now till the end. Well, City plays Southampton at home in the early kickoff on Saturday and then they play Liverpool at Anfield the following Sunday. The big one, the potentially the title decider. But first of all, looking at the Southampton game, that'd be tricky for them, bearing in mind there's simply no pressure on Southampton at the moment. Southampton are a very good side at the moment. They're playing with freedom. They've got great quality in the front areas. In midfield, they hunt the ball down. It's up to Manchester City to play at a high tempo. That's when Manchester City are at their very best. When they show eagerness, they really work hard in midfield, they close people down. When they start the game slowly and they pass the ball round the back and they don't pass it with enough penetration, that's when they allow teams just to get at them a little bit. And I think that's the way Southampton have got to hope Man City play against them. How much are you looking forward to that City-Liverpool game? It's going to be a, a magnificent game, isn't it? Liverpool playing with the, with great quality. We know they've got speed up front. They're working hard in midfield. They always seem to have that extra player in midfield. Man City brilliant on the counter-attack. That should be the game of the season. Well, coming up, a European Cup winner and Chelsea legend on the shock of the weekend. You're listening to the official Barclays Premier League podcast with Jackie Oatley. Next to Selhurst Park, where Chelsea's title hopes suffered a huge setback after that shock 1-0 defeat at Crystal Palace. Blues captain John Terry scored the decisive own goal, which moved Palace five points clear of relegation. We'll hear more about Chelsea in a moment, but what a result for Tony Pulis's side, and fully deserved, could have been more. Well, tactically, he got everything right because Crystal Palace, they didn't hold too high a line so Chelsea could counter-attack in behind them. They made sure when they did go forward and they lost the ball, they had players in good areas. They defended well all around the field. And in the wide areas, Balassi and Punchin really caused Chelsea problems. They got their full-backs high up the field. It was a brilliant tactical bit of play from Tony Pulis, who got it absolutely right on the day. And Tony Pulis was fairly happy afterwards and he said that you don't always get what you deserve.
deserve in this league. It was important that we won a game. You know, we've been involved in some games where we've played really well, not got results, and that's the Barclays Premier League is the toughest in the world. Teams like Chelsea, Man City, Liverpool, whoever it is, you know, Arsenal to Man United, you know, they have to be bob on every game they play. Chelsea, a fantastic football club. You know, the manager has uh, popped in afterwards and said, well done to the lads, which shows the class he's got. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a great result for us. Well, this is the first time that Crystal Palace have ever beaten a side placed at the top of the Barclays Premier League table and their first win over Chelsea for 23 years. But it's remarkable to think, Stuart, that Palace had just seven points from 13 games when Pulis took over in November. Ian Holloway having left in October. They were bottom of the table and everybody was writing them off. Everybody was writing them off. I couldn't see where they were going to score goals. I'd seen them under Ian Holloway where they looked really poor defensively. They've been counter-attacked at will. But he's got them working hard. He's got them organised. They're playing some good football now. The things that we weren't expecting from Tony Pulis, when they do get the ball into the top third of the field, they've got imagination. They've got creativity. They look a, a middle-of-the-table team at the moment. So Tony Pulis has done a magnificent job in the short time he's been there. They have a lot of pace on the counter-attack as well, don't they, as Chelsea found out. As for them, their manager, Jose Mourinho, is disappointed that his side couldn't do enough to get the result. It was a good week for the players to understand what was waiting for them here at Palace. And uh, we lost in, uh, in attitude, we lost in, in commitment. Uh, they were stronger than us in terms of their mentality, in terms of their, their commitment. And because of that, I feel quite comfortable to say they deserve. I think uh, now I feel impossible to win the title. Uh, we depend too much on other results. Well, let's hear now from a man who made over 200 league appearances for Chelsea. I caught up with the Blues legend and European Cup winner Marcel Desailly while he was at a Barclays Premier League fan park in Johannesburg. And I began by asking him what he made of Chelsea's defeat at Crystal Palace. Chelsea was incapable of uh, putting pressure on the opponent. And, and we were so confident at the beginning of the game that Chelsea cannot lose that game. They had to, you know, to use that game to seal their position on top of the table. And uh, it looks like Palace have done well. well. Jose Mourinho has said, we can't win the title. We don't actually believe that, do we? Nobody believes that. Uh, he wants to take the pressure off his players. He knows about it. He knows how the players behave and, and, and the need of the players. Well, that was a shock result at the weekend, but another one perhaps slightly surprising, Manchester City being held at Arsenal. That now throws the doors wide open for a number of sides in the title race, doesn't it? Yeah, I was expecting City to, to crash Arsenal. Aguero is missing quite a lot. Uh, Arsenal without Ozil, with uh, so many players injured, Walcott and the other. But I, I, I don't put my money anymore on Arsenal, but City was looking good, but they did not make that difference. They know they still have two games on hand. I would love to Liverpool coming up, even if I'm a Chelsea fan. I would love Liverpool to also be, you know, have a, a piece of the cake also. Who's your tip for the title, Marcel? I would love Liverpool to win it. It's been so long that they did not achieve the, 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 the Premier League uh, title. Um, yeah, Liverpool should maybe be the, the team that will, will win it. Even though uh, Chelsea <laughs> are still there hanging and, 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 and having a lot of hope. Well, tell us why you're in Johannesburg on a Barclays Premier League weekend, Marcel. You know, we are on the, the Barclays Premier League live, you know, the, the thank you campaign. The idea is to thank the fans across the world. Obviously, this time it's in Africa about their commitment, you know, in the game. They are making the game beautiful. They are the one that allows, you know, uh, the players, you know, to perform because of their support. Then it's great. I've been one of those players, and I can tell you that yes, the fans are there. It's been well structured by the, the FA, uh, the way that they have structured and give the possibility to 
family to come to the stadium, and and and, and it's a very good idea from Barclays to to thank the fans. And we've seen many commitment, many people, you know, uh, <laughs> chatting, interacting with the social media, and uh, and and we've created, you know. Uh, a uh, fun park here in Johannesburg. It, it's been great. I've spent a lot of time in South Africa. I know that their fans are some of the most passionate in the world. Why do you think the Barclays Premier League is so popular over there? The football that is popular. Their local league is doing very well here also. Uh, everybody have identified themselves to the local league teams. But the Premier League is true, have something very special. You see every single person coming here with their shirt and and showing their <laughs> their commitment to the team that they support is great. Well, Stuart, Marcel there saying that he thinks Liverpool would be good to win the title this year. It would be good for the league, even though he's obviously a Chelsea man. Mm. Can you see where he's coming from? Yes, because Liverpool have been a, a great club and a great side for many, many years, and it just needs them to come back to that sort of level, and they're certainly playing at that sort of level at the moment. But going back to, to the way the Barclays Premier League is expanded all around the world. I've been to America on several occasions and so many of the people you now see out there are wearing Barclay Premier League shirts rather than MLS shirts. Well, we've looked at the top four, but we're going to concentrate now on a thrilling match between two sides in the bottom four. Matt Molodali scored a 95th-minute equaliser in reply to Tiavi Bifuma's 94th-minute goal. That earned Cardiff City a potentially crucial three-all draw at West Brom. And, oh, my goodness, how dramatic was that, Stuart? I can't think of too many more extraordinary finishes this season. Well, it was an extraordinary finish, but there were some extraordinary goals in there as well. I'd still like to ask Amal Futano whether he meant the first goal, whether he was think so. I think he was just trying to get it into the box but if he said he meant it then we'll we'll obviously trust him on that one much was trying to cross the ball and it went over foster so two what could be called fluke goals the finish right at the end what berahino was thinking of when it was a three versus one situation that's the last minute of the game they've got every opportunity to go and get the next goal to make it to four two gives the ball away crossing it and suddenly they were being counter-attacked and, and what a good finish it was from Darley. but it was an outstanding game everything you want from a Barclays Premier League match. It had excitement, it had good goals, it had fluky goals and uh, had both managers uh, high-fiving each other at the end. Yes, whilst Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was quick to praise the away fans, West Brom midfielder Graham Dorans was less than impressed with a point. At the minute, it just feels like a defeat from our side and they've probably feel the other way like it's a victory scoring after after we've scored. But um, let's say we'll stick together in first half of probably the best we've played all season. We could have even been 3-4-5 and at half-time, but... Um, it wasn't to be in when we move on. It looks like they've had fun because they've been fantastic every single game I've been to. You know the last goal there, that it couldn't have happened without, uh, first of all, the boys' belief and uh, hunger to score, but I think the, the fans sucked the ball in. So they were unbelievable. Uh, 2,600 travelling up, and there'll be 28,000 next week uh, cheering us on. Doran sounded absolutely devastated, as you would expect, gifting two points away. You can't help but look back at that Berahino cross. He had the chance to run the ball to the corner flag. It was a hopeful cross that was never going to find Sessignon. What on earth was going through his mind? Well, he could have run it to the corner. I think he could have gone on and scored himself because the last defender tried to play offside on the halfway line, which allowed the three versus one situation. Even if he'd have played the ball earlier across in front of the defender, there was a greater opportunity, but he delayed it and delayed it and played the ball at the wrong time. It was it was a silly situation because, I mean, Mel, when they scored that third goal, was jumping around with the coach. They thought they'd won the game and they should have won the game. Bad moment for West Brom. We spoke earlier about the high five between Pepe Mel and Solskjaer. You could see what he meant by it, but can Solskjaer's enthusiasm, do you think, lift Cardiff out of this mess or do they need a lot more than that? 
I can't see it. Enthusiasm, passion has to be matched by clever coaching and tactical insight. And at the moment when I've seen Cardiff play, I'm not sure there's that tactical insight and they're not getting the right game plan at the moment. Since Solskjaer's taken over, there's been no improvement in their performances. In fact, they've got worse. Well, let's finish the first part of the show with another team in trouble at the bottom end of the table. Sunderland's 2-1 defeat at home to West Ham on Monday night moves them to second from bottom. Despite having over 60% possession, they just couldn't find the equaliser. And no wins now in their last six games doesn't look too good for Poyet, whereas at one stage it looked as if they were going to be OK. Well, earlier in the season when Poyet took over, it looks like he changed things around. They were playing better football when you've seen their cup runs. They had some outstanding performances. But when you saw the game against West Ham, as you said, lots of possession, lots of passing. The players are more confident on the ball. But where's that final pass? Where are the goals going to come from? There just seems to be a lack of dynamism and penetration in the top third of the field. And surprisingly, Adam Johnson didn't start the game. He provided that when he came on, didn't he? Well, they have trips now to Spurs, Chelsea, Manchester City and Manchester United. Looks fairly daunting on paper, but perhaps they've performed better against the bigger sides rather than against those around them. In the Cup games, they've done really well against the better sides. They really gave Manchester City a fright in the in the League Cup. They're going to have to play very well. I don't think they're going to have enough to stay up, unfortunately. Well, the win keeps West Ham in 11th spot and within touching distance of the top half of the table. We'll hear from goalscorer Andy Carroll in just a moment. But first of all, West Ham manager Sam Allardyce. It's a fantastic result for us. I mean, every game in the Barclays Premier League is a tough one. Every game away from home particularly. Sunderland fighting down at the bottom was always going to make it difficult. But I thought the lads handled it really well. And, and in this league, take your chances when they come. And Andy Carroll, particularly in the early stages, settled us down. Obviously, every goal's... A great feeling, but it's going against a, a team, Sunderland, you know, it's a, it's a great feeling, but obviously three points is more important. Are West Ham safe for you now? Yes, they are. When I saw them at Christmas time, I thought they were a side that were going to go down. They didn't seem to have any sort of understanding of what they were trying to do. Carroll wasn't back in the side at that point, but he's been the, the change. You know, he's a, he's a good player. We saw from the goal that he's a danger in the air, and it's just given West Ham more confidence, even though the crowd at home are booing them at the moment. They're not playing wonderful football, but they're getting the results at the right time, and you have to give credit to Sam Allardyce for the way he's turned things around. And as he says, Andy Carroll's only going to get fitter and fitter between now and the end of the season. Well, coming up, Manchester United coach Nicky Butt explains how his early days at Old Trafford are helping to shape the current crop of young stars. Before we hear from Butt, let's take a quick look at the latest Barclays Twitter ticket competition winners. You've been able to win tickets to a match involving your club simply by telling us why you are football. And here are this week's winners. Danny Luton. I always listen to Cardiff's game wherever I am, even whilst in hospital with my missus giving birth. Good on you. Jamie Cornell. I saw Chelsea get beaten 3-1 by Derby when I was four years old and the train broke down on the way home. It was all worth it, though. And finally, Robbie Coombs. My dad loves West Brom and always talks about the Cyril Regis era. Hashtag YouAreFootball. Stuart, Cyril Regis was a, an absolute legend of the game, played for so many of those West Midlands sides. Anybody that you'd compare him to in the current crop of Barclays Premier League footballers? Well, that West Brom era, he could do everything. He could win balls in the air, he could run in behind, he could link up the play and I would say Lukaku is the nearest thing to him the Everton player at the moment on loan Everton player who's doing really well as he got older Cyril Regis became more of a back to goal player and he linked up the play and didn't make so many forward runs but Lukaku I think is the nearest one to Cyril Regis we've got in the Barclays Premier League at the moment Regis real legend and a very likeable character as well would have a chance of winning tickets to watch your club tweet why you are football to at Barclays footy with a Y using the hashtag you are football or you can post it on the Barclays football Facebook page 
I'm here with the former Arsenal and West Ham midfielder Stuart Robson as we continue our look back at the goals and the talking points from the weekend's matches in the Barclays Premier League. Liverpool are hitting all the headlines with their surge for the title, but their Merseyside rivals Everton are enjoying a terrific season too. Their 3-1 win at Fulham moves them to within four points of Arsenal with a game in hand and keeps them in the hunt for a Champions League place. But it looked fairly comfortable on paper, but it wasn't the most straightforward of victories for Everton. No, we know Everton can pass the ball well. They split their centre-halves. You know, Gareth Barry comes in between them to, to start the moves off, but they actually passed it too slowly and Fulham kept on catching them on the ball and Fulham probably had the better chances in that first half. So Fulham actually played well. They played with a lot of desire. They got their tactics right. They closed Everton down, didn't give them too much time on the ball, but eventually they won the battle and eventually, of course, won the game, Everton. Yes, 3-1. And the Everton boss, Roberto Martinez, says the victory could be worth more than just the three points. I do believe that those are the games that they allow you to achieve aims or not. They are not the, the, the games with the glamorous opposition playing at home that you had the seven period to rest and prepare a game. And then you need to understand that at this stage of the season playing against a team that is fighting towards relegation, I know it very well from my own experience. It, it can be quite difficult. So for us to be able to get five straight wins, I think it reflects character and the, the work that these players they've been putting in on a daily basis. And I couldn't be proud of them. Well, it's the first time since the early days of David Moyes' reign that Everton have won five league games in a row. In theory, Stuart, and it's always easy to say these things in theory, if they win their last six, then they'll finish above Arsenal. Yes, and the way that they are playing at the moment, they're playing with great confidence. Their the philosophy and, and the way that Martinez wants his team to play, they're playing exactly that way. And he's also developing players. That's what I like about Martinez. He's developing the players. Players that I didn't think were quite good enough for the Barclays Premier League are suddenly looking exceptional players. And Naismith being one, he came on against Fulham and was outstanding as the second centre forward, linking up the play, playing a little one-two, scored his goal as well. So Martinez is doing a magnificent job. I don't think they're going to win all their games from now to the end of the season, though. The way he's rejuvenated not just the players, but the fans, mm. and it seems the entire club as well, after having one manager for so long. Moyes was a, a very good manager for Everton, but the style of football wasn't always easy on the eye. What Martinez is bringing them is he's bringing them winning football, but also bringing them football that's is lovely to watch and it's entertaining on the eye and they are beginning to see some of the younger players and some of the more experienced players develop as footballers. be interesting to see what tactics Martinez adopts when Arsenal go to Goodison on Sunday because the reverse fixture earlier in the season, Arsenal people admitted that this was the best team that they'd faced all season. Any side that plays against Arsenal, if you want to win the game against Arsenal, you've got to try and make sure you press them fairly high up the field. Don't give them time on the ball in midfield. Keep winning it back and then counter-attack. We've already seen the way Arsenal's Fullbacks. doesn't matter who they're playing against, will be high up the field. They're two holding midfield players, Flemini and Arteta, aren't quite quick enough. So I think that's where Everton will try and expose. Win the ball back in midfield and then counter-attack as quickly as they can. Well, that defeat leaves Fulham rock bottom of the table, five points from safety. And their new latest boss, Felix Magat, knows what the problem is. Unfortunately, we don't make the goals. We all are very disappointed how it is going uh, on but if we uh, go on and play uh, such good as today we will see we will see only two wins for fulham in 2014 do you give them any kind of chance of staying up no i don't at all and i don't think it's mullenstein's fault i don't think it's magat's fault and it's martin yole's fault but the players in the early part of the season their work rate their if i saw them play against southampton where it was the worst barclays premier league performance i've seen for quite some while it was just a lack of enthusiasm lack of effort lack of tactical understanding and those times were the times that fulham got themselves relegated if they do get relegated well from the cottage to old trafford next as manchester united recovered from their heavy defeat against man city in the week to beat aston villa 4-1 
one with two goals from Wayne Rooney and one each from Juan Mata and Javier Hernandez. A straightforward victory in the end, but they did have to come from behind and show some character. They did, and there was also a couple of chances for Benteke that he should have taken. It was a much closer game than the scoreline suggests. It wasn't vintage Manchester United, but they got the result and a couple of good goals, obviously, in amongst all that. David Moyes has been under so much pressure this season. He was pleased not only with the scoreline, but the way in which the goals were scored. I thought we done a, a good job today. I thought the players played well, done a lot of good things, scored some good goals, which we've not done in, in a lot of games here. But I thought we scored, especially the fourth goal, I thought it was a fantastic work goal, really was. I found the, the support inside Old Trafford has been terrific. And I think today, if ever there was a, a show of uh, support for their football club and for their team, I think it was today. I thought the inside Old Trafford was, was terrific, it really was. So support for David Moyes in the face of adversity, but a positive for him, Juan Mata scoring his first goal for the club on his right foot as well. What did you make of his performance? Well, I saw him play against West Ham. I saw him play in this game. He has to play as the second centre forward. When he plays in that position, he's an exceptional player. When they play him out wide left or play him out wide right, he doesn't want to be there. He's not very good defensively. He hasn't got great athleticism to go past Well, people. that's why he was sold from Chelsea, exactly. wasn't it? But when he plays as the second centre forward, in behind Wayne Rooney, he looks an exceptional player. Had a great game. What can David Moyes expect now between now and the end of the season? I think he's now looking at the side that played against West Ham, the side that played against Aston Villa, that played well in both games. He'll now be looking from now to the end of the season. Can they go on and be players for Manchester United next year? And am I going to get the tactics right for, for next season? Not just for now, for next season. Surely what the planning is all about now, isn't it? Well, some news to come out of Manchester United at the end of last week was that winger Ryan Giggs, along with his former teammates Paul Scholes, Nicky Butt and the Neville brothers, have agreed to purchase non-league club Salford City FC what do you think the thinking is there? I think from what they've said is that they want to develop players not for Manchester United but just to give the local youngsters a chance to develop as players to get good coaches in there and give them a chance to develop and make the most of their talent that they've got and I'm sure they'll do that over the, the time they're there. In his role as a reserve team coach at Manchester United Nicky Butt's been speaking to us about the youth setup and about his own experiences with the club that he joined aged just 16. In the early days at United growing up I think the challenges for myself was um, just to stay in touch with the other players that were there, you know, there was there was all very very talented lads, and it was a bit different nowadays. And then it was probably 16 players in my age group that were all the chance, a real big good chance of playing for Man United, and it was only a small unit. You know, we had two age groups of the first years and the second year apprentices, and there was probably 16 in each age group. And my first thing was, you know, I don't want to get left behind by any of them. I could see, you know, Scholes was a great player, Beckham was a great player, Guy Neville, obviously Rangings was a year older than us, but all these great players. If you take your foot off the pedal for one minute or, you know, get a, you know, an unlucky injury or, or you miss a couple of little weeks training, you were scared of falling behind them because you knew it was going to be a really tough challenge. And But it was great, it was a challenge that we challenged each other. Yeah, we, we brought the best out of each other because uh, when we see each other going training, it was, a, it was really competitive every day, it was like a match. We knew that, or we thought at the time that it's lucky if you get the first team, get one or two players through every three or four years. So the the ratio to getting into the first team was very low at that time. So that's what drove us all on. Moving on to your career now, yeah. you're obviously heavily involved in the youth setup now. What principles have you brought into your coaching career now that you took from when you were a young player? The, the path I'm going down now is, is, is I've done all my badges, I've, I've, I've worked my way through them. I was lucky enough to get back into the club that I love and I'm working with a great age group you now. My philosophy is just enjoy football, but every day you've got to treat it like it could be your last day on the training pitch because you never know, you never know what's around the corner. And I've seen loads of great players that were much better than me at a young age never make it because of injury or because of taking a foot off the pedal. They're getting a bit carried away with other things, you know, off the field, you know, cars and, and going out too much. And, and you keep 
you know, telling him this is what you can have, the, the lifestyle you can have for seconds to none, especially nowadays, you know, you can look after every single one of your family. You're that far from being, you know, a superstar and, and living the dream. But it's gonna take a lot of hard work and, and the minute you take your foot off the pedal or you don't do you don't treat training like it's gotta be treated then you know, then you're gonna be a fool and you'll be sat back on your chair in ten years thinking, What if I would have worked out a bit harder every day? But it takes more than talent to play at this club. It takes drive and hard work and mental toughness, and and that's something we try and drill into every day. How important is youth football to Manchester United as a football club as a whole? Man United has grown upon youth football right before even before the Busby Babes. You know that they were always bringing young players through. It was always a local lads coming through, and I wanted to from Northern Ireland, Southern Ireland, and you know down south. But mainly it was all about youth players driving them through, bringing them through because. If you bring young players through a club who love the club, they'll run through brick walls for you. I know it means a lot more to them than most players. I shouldn't say all players, but most players that come across. So I think youth players for this club is massive, and it always has been and always will be a fundamental thing to have young players playing for this club that have come through the ranks. Nicky Butt there with Barclays reporter Lee Warner. Well, Stuart Robson, Nicky Butt there saying how important it is to bring through local players. They'd run through brick walls for the club. Do you see it as being still as important these days to have youngsters coming through? Absolutely, because if you develop youngsters from the age of eight, nine, those players are going to play in your style of football. They're going to know the club through and through. They're going to run through brick walls for that club. The supporters will take to them more because they're local youngsters. If every club says, we're only going to buy players, who develops them? You need clubs developing players, and it's important that the likes of Manchester United, and you only have to look back at the best side in Europe a couple of three years ago, a lot of their players came through their youth system, Barcelona. That was the way to do it. Manchester United have done it before. West Ham have done it to a certain degree. Aston Villa have tried it. Southampton are doing very well from bringing on their own players. So it's a massive thing for Barclays Premier League clubs to keep developing their own players. A lovely link there, Stuart, because a place below Manchester United in eighth are Southampton, who swept away Newcastle 4-0 at St Mary's. The goals were scored by the Saints' three England World Cup hopefuls, Jay Rodriguez, Adam Lallana, and the man we'll hear from now, striker Ricky Lambert. Obviously, it, was, it would be brilliant if any, any of the lads got on the score sheet. Being biased, it's good that three English lads got on, but no, it's, I think that's probably our best performance this season. Because of Smiley, I think everything went right today. I think to the man, we were superb. Well, Stuart, it was all very easy for Southampton, and again, their three England players were superb. Roy Hodgson must be having a field day down there at St Mary's these days. Well, I've seen Lalana for many, many years as a youngster, and he was an exceptional talent then. It's just taken him a long time to come into the public eye. But Ricky Lambert does well, backing in, winning headers. Rodriguez shows pace. They've got quality all around the side. They've got young fullbacks that like to get forward. They've got midfield players that can both be destructive and creative on the ball. Southampton can be and should be an excellent side, not just this season, but next season as well. Well, there's only one English player to have scored more Barclays Premier League goals than Jay Rodriguez this season, and that's Daniel Sturridge. He scored 20, Rodriguez with 15. Well, as for Newcastle, the presence of Alan Pardew in the stands after a three-game stadium ban wasn't enough to inspire his players. They sit in ninth place. They can't be relegated now. They probably won't get into Europe. So what do they do now, between now and the end of the season? How does he motivate the players? He shouldn't have to motivate the players. They're going to be playing in front of 50,000 people at St James's Park. They're playing for the fans. They're playing for themselves. When you go out on the field, you should want to be the best player on the field 
every time you go on the field. So if Newcastle's players are sitting back and just easing off, then that doesn't all go well for next season when they need to really fight for their place and their position in the league. We'll finish our roundup of the weekend's results with two home victories. Stoke beat Hull by a gold nil, courtesy of a Peter Odom-Wingy strike to keep Stoke in the top half of the table. And Swansea beat Norwich by three goals to nil to leapfrog the Canaries in the table and ease their own relegation fears. Well, we'll start with Stoke first, Stuart. They've now reached the supposedly magical 40-point mark. And Mark Hughes has got them playing some good football now. Yeah, absolutely right. When Mark Hughes first took over, they played. Uh, he tried to change the way they played the football, but there wasn't enough penetration. They were passing sometimes for the sake of passing. He was trying to change the style, and that was the way he was going to go about it. Now, with Odin Wingy in the side, there's more penetration because they've got more pace in the side, and that's what Mark Hughes was talking about. He wanted more pace in the side as well as the good passing. Now, when they get the ball in the top third of the field, there's players that can attack the back of defences, and he's got the right combination. Crouch is good in the air, and now. Altovich is a good crosser of the ball and Odin Wingy's got plenty of pace running onto it. But Nzonzi is a key player for them whenever I see them play. You mentioned Odin Wingy. He's now scored three goals in his last three games and he's pretty happy with his side's form. Just one defeat in the last nine games, I think, you know, that says it all. But we are at the moment, we're looking forward to the best finish in the history of the club in the Premier League. So uh, we're going to, we can see from today that we really need to work hard for that because when things are going well, you know, today we really struggle. You know, I'm enjoying my football here. You know, the, my teammates are brilliant with me. So hope we keep going like that till the end of the season. He sounds a very happy man there at the Britannia Stadium, Peter Odenwingi. Well, as for Hull, their goalkeeper, Alan McGregor, looks likely to miss the rest of the season now after damaging his kidney in the midweek defeat at West Ham. Hull, just seven points above the safety mark. Not quite safe yet, but will they be? I think they will be safe. They've got players that in the front areas after the January transfer window that can score goals. And in those sort of positions, you need to be able to score goals. Long can run in behind. He's a hard worker. We know Jelovic is clever in the box. He's got good movement. They've also got midfield players that like to pass the and what I like about Steve Bruce is that they can change their system. They've played three at the back at times. They've played four at the back. I think he's adaptable, and I think that's why Hull will get a few more points and be safe. Well, Jonathan de Guzman's brace helped Swansea defeat Norwich 3-0 at the Liberty Stadium, and the Swans boss, Gary Monk, had nothing but praise for his Dutch midfielder. De Guzman today, I thought he was magnificent. You know, he was not playing in his usual position in terms of winger, but he's very clever player. He can play, you know, in a number of positions, and um, I thought he was he was magnificent today. I thought he was our man of the match, the way he, the way he interchanged, the way he worked, and the, the work rate that he put in, and obviously the quality of the goals that he scored. Um, Jono offers you that. He's got that quality. What does that result mean for Swansea? Are they well on the road to safety now? They haven't played particularly well under Gary Monk. I mean, he's, he's done a decent job. What I would say about them, they haven't been quite so strong defensively as I expect them to be. They've made defensive errors at times. They're not quite as solid in midfield and they're not playing as good a football as they were originally under Laudrup and they were in previous seasons. But I think he's just about getting it right and they'll have enough points this season to stay up. Do Norwich have enough though? They've lost their last six Barclays Premier League away games. Can they rely on their home forms? They don't score a lot of goals. Well, that's the problem. The lack of goals. When you think that El Manda, who I thought uh, Bolton looked as though he was past his best. He's now playing as the second striker. And Wolfswinkle's not playing as well as everyone expected him to do. The best threat from them comes in the wide areas. So it's going to be a tough last few weeks for Chris Hewton. But again, I still think there's three worst teams in Norwich at the moment. And that's why Norwich will stay up. And those three teams are? Sunderland, Fulham and Cardiff. You said it. Well, before we go, let's take a look at the weekend's Barclays Premier League fixtures. The early kickoff on Saturday, Manchester City versus Southampton, Newcastle versus Manchester United, Norwich against West Brom, Aston Villa, Fulham, Hull versus Swansea, Cardiff versus Crystal Palace, Chelsea are at home to Stoke, Mark Hughes against his former club. On Sunday, Everton against Arsenal, Everton could catch Arsenal, a West Ham versus Liverpool, and on Monday, Tottenham versus Sunderland. Well, I'd like you to pick out some games 
games for us there, but there's something riding on every single one of those there matches. There certainly is. And I'm going to pick out two. If you look at Manchester City at home, you expect them to win. But Southampton have been in tremendous form. They had that great result against Newcastle. And I think it's a real test for Man City. They didn't play particularly well against Arsenal. Obviously, they were excellent against Manchester United. Everybody expects them to win, but I think this is going to be a tough game. And the other one is the one that could depend who goes into the Champions League. Everton versus Arsenal. If Arsenal win the game, I think they can actually end up higher than fourth. If they lose the game, they could go out of the Champions League positions and Everton might just sneak in there. Thanks very much, Stuart. That's just about all we have time for on this week's show. Listen to us again from Tuesday the 8th of April where we'll be reflecting on all of the weekend's action, including that trip for Arsenal to Everton. But until then, from Stuart Robson and from me, Jackie Oatley, goodbye. You've been listening to the official podcast of the Barclays Premier League, brought to you by Barclays. Barclays.